Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin our second installment in a new series called Life with Jesus, where we will be focusing on Jesus's great commission to his disciples, specifically how his authority enables us and equips us for the task of making disciples of all nations. Thanks for listening today as we examine the first verb from Jesus' assignment to his disciples in his command to go. It was, a, it was opening day of deer season. I was 14 years old. Uh, the day before, my dad had set up a plan that he and I were going to hunt this particular trail on some friend's property, a neighbor's property just across from our house. And he walked me over to the stand where it was, and there was, a, there was a great deer path that ran right under the tree where I was to stand. And he was going to stand on the edge of the field line, just a few stones throws, throws away from where I was going to be. Well, at 4.30 in the morning on that November day, uh, as confident as I might have been the previous day, I was pretty scared. Uh, I, I can remember uh, my dad standing there with me, and he said, all right get going. And I had to turn, and now I had to walk through this forest in the dark by myself. And every one of the monsters wanted to eat me. (laughs) Every snap of the twig was a monster. Every breeze that blew was a hurricane. I I can remember hearing my heart beat. Have you ever been that scared that you could hear your own heartbeat? And suddenly it got very quiet. I mean, when my dad was around, it seemed like it was fine. But when I was by myself, boy, was it scary. But see, my dad knew. And he had put little reflectors on the trees and given me a lamp so that as I looked, I could see the path. And I would look and I'd go so far and then I'd shine and I'd see the next reflector. And I'd go a little bit further. And sure enough, with some faith and perseverance, my dad, who had already prepared the way, who had equipped me, by the way, with camo and boots. I didn't buy my camo. I didn't buy my boots. I was 14. Uh, He gave me a weapon. He he gave me everything that I needed. And so with a little determination and faith and diligence, I made it to the tree stand. And as the sun began to rise, I could see the speck of blaze orange. And my dad, he he was right over there. I, I can remember on the edge of the field line, he was right there the whole time. Even though it felt like I was walking alone, I was never alone. God has saved you and called you for a purpose. That purpose is to make disciples. That is our job as the church. And he has commissioned us with instructions on how very specifically you and I are supposed to obey him in that end. But sometimes, sometimes it's scary. Isn't it? Sometimes it's scary. So we are for 2023 in this year. We are building upon what we have studied last year, if you can remember, which was all about Jesus as what? Do you remember Jesus as? A little bit of a review this morning. Say it good and loud, Teresa. This is close. Yeah. King. King Jesus. She said Lord. That same, same concept. That uh, he is high and exalted, seated at the right hand of the Father. That all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to, not a trick question, belongs to who? Belongs to Jesus. That was pathetic. Try it again. Belongs to who? Jesus. 
All right, it's better, church. Thank you. Because of this, you and I are called to do life with King Jesus. He, he is ruling. He is in charge. And so what does that mean for us as we go through life? And, and we, we identified that there are four spheres of influence that we're going to study. There are, there's our own personal discipleship. There is our immediate family. We're going to focus on marriage in the fall. Our previous installment in the series looked at our community, which is that next widest circle. Remember, we heard about loving our neighbor, loving the least of these. Well, the, the last circle, the last sphere, it's the mission. For it is God's desire that every tribe, tongue, and nation would hear the message of the good news of the gospel. And that every people would have opportunity to turn and find reconciliation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To the ends of of the earth. Even Sagola. Can you believe that? Even right here. So what we're going to do for this morning and for the next few Sundays is we're going to seek to study this commission. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to take them out and look with me in Matthew's Gospel right at the very end. Matthew 28. We're going to look at primarily verse 19. In fact, we're going to look at this verse every week. Uh, we're we're going to take it apart in its constituent components of Jesus' commission. And I want to give you a little bit of a warning for this morning um, that as much as I like to ease into a new series, uh, this is not one of those sermons. This is one of those big bites. You guys know the kind I'm talking about? Like a quarter pounder with cheese sort of sermon. That's a big big bite this morning. So uh, it also may be the shortest text I've ever preached on. Two little letters. It's the first word that you'll find in verse 19. Well, second word. Go. Go. What does it mean to go? As I was working this past week on putting this message together, as much as I'm aware that missions is not always the most popular subject with everyone in church, I kept thinking about, now, how am I going to convince people to go on a mission trip? How, how am I going to convince them that, uh, that this is what we're here to do? And I kept like a salesman sort of thinking, order now and you'll get a sale price. <laughs> and, it, and I just kept getting frustrated. Like, there's no way, there's nothing I can say until I finally got to the point where I realized that's not my job. You, you realize this? It is not my job to convince you to invest your life according to God's mission. That's not my job. Do you know what my job is? To tell you what God has said. That's my job. So that's my plan. That's why this is a big bite. I am going to do my best to simply convey to you what Jesus has said. You're going to have to do the rest. You're going to have to figure out how God is speaking to you to be invested in his mission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's get 20 in there too. And teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
we got to begin this morning, and it would take a whole nother sermon to do justice on this. I have it as one single short sentence. Your God, our God, is a global God. The, the God that you pray to, the God that you worship, the God that you serve, is interested in more than your front and backyard. He is a global God. First verse in the whole Bible, what's it say? In the beginning, God created... So who's this belong to? All of this is his. In fact, you read a little bit further. He says in Genesis 1, God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill what? Part of it? The UP. I ain't going nowhere else. Amen. I feel that way sometimes, right? Thank goodness we live where we live. But God is interested in how much of the earth? The whole earth. When he calls Abram, this is the... uh, Uh, the um, commission that he's given him. Look here at the end. It says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Isaiah speaking to the nation of Israel. uh, The Lord says these words, I will make you a light to the Gentiles. The word Gentile there means the nations uh, that my salvation may reach even to Channing, even to Felch, even to Metropolitan, even to Seagal. Here's a really good one. Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. I don't need to convince you of this. This is true whether you believe it or not. Your God is interested in all peoples. So we have one little word to look at. Verse 19 says, therefore, go. Um, I need to do some, my own maybe preliminary um, work of confession this morning. You know what I really hate? I hate being wrong. I hate being wrong. I have to tell you, church, uh, I preached a message on this back in 2016. You know, it's like when you hired me. I got this wrong then. I got this wrong. Because if you look in your Bible, you, you, you won't see this so much in English. But if you read it in Greek, you'll know, you'll know that that word go is a participle. In fact, there are three participles that are found in this verse. They are go and they are baptizing. And then in chapter two, or verse 20, teaching. Now, normally, we would translate a participle into English by adding that little ing ending. So, baptizing, teaching, a little English review. A a participle is a way of adding a verbal sense to a noun. And they will end up becoming modifiers of either nouns or verbs. That's what's the function of a participle. And so, when I preached this last, I looked at the very first one, and go could have this kind of verbal sense of going. And so I taught it to you that way. I should have talked with a Greek professor first because there's something else going on here. This particular participle is called an attendant circumstance, which means go is a command. It is not an option. It is not simply verbal in the sense that whenever you're going, wherever you happen to be going, make a disciple, which was my initial desire to preach this to you back in 2016, which, I mean, maybe give me some credit on my good intentions on that, right? Because we want to be missionaries wherever we are. But that is not the way that this participle is to be understood. 
I want to clear the record. I want to get it straight. I want to get it correct this morning. When you read in your Bible, Jesus telling the disciples to go, he means that as a type of connection to the imperatival verb, make disciples as a command, not as an option. I feel like I'm preaching a little bit of words here, right? Let me be clear. Go is a command. Just to show you how this shows up in some other texts, Matthew chapter 2, you'll notice the exact same verb used here as a participle, go, with the imperative being search. So he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. This is Herod, by the way, speaking to the Magi. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. Herod did not mean, hey, as you're going. He meant go and search. The participle took upon the nuance of the primary verb. Again, in Matthew 9.13, Jesus says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus didn't mean, you know, if you happen to get around to it, you could, you know, learn about it if you want. No, he meant Go and learn this. The word go becomes a command. One last example, Matthew, same chapter right now, chapter 28. You could look even back in your scriptures, back to verse 7. Uh, go, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I have told you. Do you see what the participle go is doing? It's taking upon itself the imperatival sense of the main verb. Best way for you to think about this is piggyback. That little go is riding piggyback. When, when I took my family to national parks, little Sadie got so in, involved in looking for things, sometimes her little legs just couldn't make it up the trail. And so do you know what we did? We conscripted her brother to carry her. <laughs> so what you have here, folks, is the participle <laughs> piggybacking on the main verb, which means wherever the main verb goes, the participle goes. Is this making sense to you guys? Do you see the picture here? When you and I read here in this passage, therefore go make disciples, I just have to set the record straight. This is not an option. This is not for you if you happen to get around to it. If you feel like it today, Jesus is not offering this as some substitute to our own obedience, whenever you feel like it, Jesus is saying, go make disciples. So that's where we have to begin. Next thing I want to point out to you is that going is the instrument of your purpose. So of these participles, by the way, don't, don't fall asleep. Anybody sleep yet? Talking about English and participles and all that? Okay. Uh, you, you have some function of a participle. So sometimes they're using, used in a sense of means, And sometimes they're used in a sense of the manner. Means and manner. Both are answering the question, how? So if you're to make a disciple, you might ask Jesus, well, how? How how am I supposed to make a disciple? The means of disciple making is what? Is going. That is the instrument of your purpose. Your purpose is to make disciples The instrument of that is your going. Now, the other two participles that we get to, baptizing and teaching, those become the manner 
of how you, how you do it. Both are answering the question how, but here going as a command is the means. It's the instrumentation of your purpose, which means if you're not going, what else are you not doing? I heard one person, do you guys get this? If you're not going, you're not making disciples. If, if you have not submitted whatever agenda in your life, you're planning your calendar, this is what I wanted to do this year. If you have not submitted that to God to say, Lord, I'll go where you lead, I'll go. And then order your life in obedience to listen to where he sends you, you're not going to make any disciples. It's like when I told my son, go up to your room and put away your laundry, and he just put it in the basket. I did. I put it away. You put it in the basket. For him to put it away, what did he first have to do? Go up to your room. Laundry's not going to get put away. That's the main verb, right? Put away your laundry. That's the main thing. The instrument of his obedience was dependent on first his. All right. You guys, hopefully you're getting it. All right. Number three. Go is dependent on God. This is a big one. Go is dependent on God. Back up with me in the text of verse 18. Then Jesus came and said, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. I, I cannot underemphasize the importance of our dependence on God. He is the one who sets the course. He is the one who provides the enablement. He is the one who gives the call. All of the mission rests and depends on him, which means if that's true, then our going is really following. That's what it really is. God says, do this, and you're, you're going to follow him in that. And this becomes really, really good news for us. So a couple examples of this. In John 20, 21, uh, again, Jesus said, peace, uh, be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Who did the sending initially? Do you see it? God the Father did it. If you didn't catch it here, John 17 has it too. Uh, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It doesn't depend on you, it depends on God. Here's another awesome thing about God. Um, Jesus even tells his disciples, uh, before his resurrection, uh, after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. I, you just got to know what good news this is. What, listen, wherever God's calling you, you know what's so awesome? He's already there. He is already there. He has gone ahead of you. On that morning when I left to go out into the woods and follow the trail, my dad went along the road because he was going to catch up with the field line and go in. So as I was walking through the woods, I had confidence. My dad was already there. Your heavenly father is already at work amongst the nations. He has called you to come and follow him there. In fact, this is a characteristic of God. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. Isaiah 52. But you're not going out in haste, nor will you go as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you. These are really important promises for us to get straight. So not only do we have Jesus going ahead of the disciples, not only do we have God doing the sending, the Spirit's involved as well. We heard it this morning already from Charlene. Acts chapter 1. Jesus tells them, wait for who? Wait for the gift of the Spirit. Because what's the Spirit going to do? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. I, I cannot underemphasize this enough. Go is not dependent on you. 
Your obedience to go means that you're going to be following the God who calls, who goes ahead, and who equips. God takes care of all that. All right, lastly, going is part of God's growth strategy. Look with me back into the scripture one more time, Matthew 28. Um, j- jump back a few more verses. We're going to start at 16 this time. Then, uh, then the 11 went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What now? Some doubted? Is it, did you know that was in the Bible? That comes right before the Great Commission. What in the world could that mean? By the way, commentators are not in agreement on this one. There, there's, a, there's a few options. They all agree that it's important to figure the right option, but nobody quite knows what it is. So what are the options? Well, one of them could be they doubt who Jesus is. I don't think that's right because they're worshiping him. Um, it could be that they, uh, they doubt if they should be worshiping. Should we be doing this right now? What do you think? That's probably not what they were doubting. Uh, one one uh, commentator said that it could be read in a particular Greek tense that means they had doubted, but now they don't. That's wrong. That's just an abuse of the text. Um, it could be, like in John's gospel, we have the story of uh, doubting Thomas. Right? Uh, that came up in Sam's children's message this morning. And so this could be Matthew's reference to there being some ambiguity to the resurrection. Can I tell you what I think it means? By the way, here's a good rule of thumb. Anytime the scriptures are ambiguous, you need to study the context. The context will help determine for you what's being taught here. And so if we look at the context, let's just ask the question, what have the disciples just been through? Do you remember? Last Supper. Jesus is going to triumph. Jesus is going to be the Messiah. Peter says, even if all fall away, I never will. And then what's Pete do? We get to the garden. He gets accused three times. He says, I don't know who he is. Then he weeps bitterly. The rooster crows. You guys know the story? What about the rest of the disciples? How'd they do? What is their shining achievement while Jesus is being crucified? No. The scripture's true. The shepherd is struck and the sheep scatter. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they've just been through a rough time. Additionally, what's, what's our immediate context follow with? So right when Matthew records some doubt, immediately Jesus says, all authority belongs to who? Him. All authority belongs to me, Jesus says. It's not, it, it doesn't depend on you. Additionally, look how he ends it at the end of verse 20. He reassures them one final time. And surely I am with you even to the end of the age. Do you know what all this context teaches me? It teaches me that they weren't doubting Jesus. They were doubting who? They were doubting themselves. They have just been through the ringer. And now with bewilderment, seeing Jesus raised from the dead, the doubt that they have needs the reassurance of Jesus's authority and Jesus's presence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. Jesus here contextually is helping to grow them. And what this teaches you and me is that going, therefore, because isn't that the first thing that he says in verse 19? Therefore, going, don't miss this, you guys. Going is part of God's growth strategy. If God is going to grow you, he's going to stretch your faith. How much muscle do you build sitting on your couch? 
right? Sitting on your biscuit here, right? How much muscle do you build? What, what, do you, what do you need to do to grow? What do, you need to, what do you need to do to build? You need to stretch, right? You need to have pressure. You need to have difficulty in order to grow. And I want to submit to you, that's exactly what the command for us from Jesus of go is intended to do in your life. It's intended to grow you. Which means, if you're disobedient, if you're not willing to go, you might not be grown. A couple conclusions I want to offer to us as we study this. If go is a command, right? if that's true, if the, if the uh, attendant circumstance use of this participle means it's piggybacking on the main imperative and it's a command, well then, your failure to go is at best you lacking faith. Which might be true. You, you might be doubting. I just don't think I can do it. I, I just don't think I can do it. You, you want me to go to the nations? You want me to go to my neighbor? How can I go to the nations if I can't even go to my neighbor? I just don't think I can do it. You, you are, you're a lot like the disciples, maybe. And you need to be reminded it doesn't depend on you. Come on, give me an amen. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on the risen Lord who has all power and authority. But at worst, if you're not willing to go, it may not be lack of faith. It may be one of these. No. I pray for you that's not the case. If it is, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit begins to work on soften your heart. But this is, our, this is what we're left with. Secondly, go is a command that's given to disciples. So go is not told here to everybody. It's told to those who are following Jesus. Jesus isn't up on the mountain shouting to everybody, everybody needs to go. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. And then his disciples are supposed to go out and make more what? Ah, you see the pattern? To be a disciple means you make disciples. Uh, this, is, this is true in the book of Acts. If, if you show up there, there's Simon the sorcerer and then there's a slave girl. In chapter 8 and chapter 16, both of whom have this kind of like, I guess we're just going to hitch along for the ride with the apostles. And both of them receive rebuke and, um, uh, um, and, be, and they're spoken against by the apostles. Because they're not followers of Jesus. Simon was interested in money. The slave girl's owners were interested in money. That's why they were being part of the mission. No, 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 no. Listen, go is a command that's only given to disciples. Thirdly, if God has commanded the going, then God has also designed your going. This is critical because when, when you and I understand that the, the plural command to disciples is true, there's also an individual role to which you need to play. Your job's different than the person sitting next to you probably. Did you know that? That God wants you involved on the team, but it's probably in a unique way such that we need one another. In fact, we see this at the end of John's gospel. Jesus speaks to Peter. Do you remember this? Peter denies him three times. So Jesus reinstates him three times with the question, do you love me? And what's the command that Jesus says after Peter's like, dude, of course I love you. Jesus says, then feed my... Yeah, he says that to Peter. Peter is given a unique job. Additionally, you can read further in the book of Acts. The Lord appears to Paul, and Paul is given a different task. 
both on mission, but unique and individualized. Here's what I want you to know. If God's the one who commanded it, then God has also designed it in a way for you to contribute, which might look different. I simply want to say this. If today we all became career missionaries, that would be a disaster. Right? If you're like, all right, I heard the message, I'm going to go. And there's no church left here to pray and to support and to receive the message of your obedience, that would be a disaster. No, we need some people to be on mission by going. We need other Christians to be on mission by staying. You understand this? I'm hoping you're catching. All right, number four. Those who go on mission will be grown on mission. How do you, how do you teach someone to fish? You buy them a book. Here, read this book on fishing. Watch this YouTube video on fishing. Come on, how do you teach, how do you teach someone to fish? You take them fishing. That's how you teach them. You're, you're not going to learn how to do it just flipping through a pamphlet looking at pictures of trout. I pick on Derek, but he's not here right now. Derek took me trout fishing last year. I need to go trout fishing again. Right? Because the way that you learn is by doing. That's how you grow. If you refuse to go, you've just refused to grow. Because God wants you to be grown while you are on mission. So what do we do with this? I want to offer you four applications. You all still with me? We're wrapping up this morning. And then um, we're going to hear from a witness this morning as well. Number one, I got to ask you this question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Because if you're not a follower of Jesus, he's not talking to you. Right? You're going to be like Simon the sorcerer or the slave girl. And it begins here. You heard it from Sam already. Nobody gets to heaven, Sam, help me out. Nobody gets to heaven unless they're born, unless they're born again. Are you born again? Do you, have the, do you have the Holy Spirit resting and sealing you? Do you have the Holy Spirit re, reorienting you and shaping you? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit so that your identity is no longer in yourself? It's in God. Because if you haven't, well, then you don't need to go. You need to listen. You need to repent. And so that, that'd be my first encouragement to you. I don't know where everyone's at in here, but we have to start there because it's only disciples who are given the command to go. But the second application here, this is a doozy. Y'all ready for this? There it is. Anybody asks you, what, what, did, what did the preacher talk about at church? What is it? Oh, that's it. Go. We're not even on the Make Disciples sermon. That's next Sunday. This is just Go. So for you and I, that means uh, it, it, it brings a question. Hopefully you're with me. Hopefully you're in obedience to what God's word says. I don't need to convince you of it. It's true whether you believe me or not. But you might then ask the question, well, then how do I do this? I believe you. I'm supposed to go. It's a command. How do I do that? Let me offer to you two more. Here's, here's how you do it. Number one, you need to begin to discover and then embrace your role. God has a unique role for you, just like he did for every one of the disciples when it came to obeying him to go. This is what that means. Your participation in the Great Commission, it must be an intentional type of a participation. There's no sitting back and just letting it happen. You need to be intentional about this to discover what is it? 
and, and then to embrace that. Whatever my role is, I'm going to do it with all my might. That's the first way. Here's the second way that you go. You need to ask and then you need to listen for what the Spirit of God is going to speak to you and how to go. In Acts chapter 13, it says that uh, the disciples in Antioch were gathered and as they were worshiping, as they were praising God, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who would become Paul, for a unique special work that I have called them to. How how did they hear that? They, They heard that because they were listening to God. They were listening to the Spirit of God. And so that's where I want to leave you this morning. Um, this participle of go is very similar to what my dad told me on that dark opening season morning. All right, get going. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in the same way. And church, I want you to be prepared to listen and to understand and to embrace when God says to you, all right, get going. Amen?